But here we are in Acts chapter 2. I want to read from verses 42 to verses 47. The paradigm shift that Pastor Manuel has been speaking about really is not a shift for a new direction. But as we live our lives and as we go down any kind of a journey or path, like driving a car, there's always a need to always get realigned. Amen? Sometimes you hit a pothole or you might take a turn that really appears right and seems right in your eyes and, and, and in everybody else's, but only to find out that perhaps you need to get back on track and go back to the basics. So there's a realigning or a reformation uh, that takes place. And so it's really not a paradigm, but sometimes we get so used to doing things one way that we have to uh, 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 set our minds up and set our hearts up and prepare ourselves for this change because we don't like change that easy, amen? Not human beings. Uh, can we get to uh, verse 42? By any chance? I remember a long time, I'm going to keep talking. I do have that, that gift. Pastor Josie uh, shared the, about this lady that brought home a roast beef, and, and she cut off both ends before she put it in the oven to bake it, and her husband was wondering why in the heck did she cut off both ends? That was money. He worked hard for that money. And she cut off both ends, so he's thinking she's wasting it. And he asked her, why did you do that? She said, I don't know. My mother did that. So when mother-in-law came over, he asked her. He said, hey, Mom, why you cut both ends off the roast beef? She said, I don't know. My mother did it. Thank God Granny was still alive. And when he seen Granny, he asked her. He said, hey, Granny, why you cut off both ends of the meat? And she says, it's easy, son, because my oven was this big. A lot of times we get in a habit of doing things, but we really don't know why we're doing them. We get into traditional uh, methods, but we really don't know why we're doing them. Sometimes we do church a certain way, and we think that's the way it's supposed to be done, but we really don't know why we're doing them. Well, right now we're going to take a look at the original church and what gave birth to the original church. And perhaps, maybe, we could bring some of that mindset and some of those principles here today so we can have also what they had in that early church. Amen? Are you with me? Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, say everyone, was in awe. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Amen? They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It's getting quiet. It's getting real quiet. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, 
We ask for your power. We ask for your presence. My God, I know I don't, I'm not the handsomest guy in the building, nor am I the most eloquent speaker. But I am your vessel, Father. So we ask for your presence. I ask, Lord, that every year be open. I ask for every life to be changed today, Father, in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You see, if we can put verse 42 up there. What we're looking at here is an account written by the apostle Luke. We know that perhaps it was written about 62 AD. And Luke was a physician. I'm just going to give a little history and backdrop, if I may. He was a physician that we know traveled with Paul. You'll see later that he puts himself on a lot of the missionary journeys with Paul. And he was a physician. He was educated. But here he also writes like an historian. He writes the book of Acts to give us a history of the beginning of the church and the growth of the church. How the church was born and how the church grew. Then he also gives you a geographical uh, 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 account of the church. We know in verse chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus gives a great command that you will receive power to be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and the uttermost parts of the world, correct? And so he gives an account of where it goes from Jerusalem at first to Judea, Samaria, Antioch, and then finally when Paul was in prison in Rome. So he gives an account. Luke's purpose of writing the book of Acts is to give us a history and how it progressed. The history of the church and how it went from beginning to end. When Jesus said that I will give you power to be my witnesses from here to there, Luke shows you that God made it happen. When God says that it will happen, he shows that it happened. A lot of people will call the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles. But it should correctly be renamed the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one in control. And the Holy Spirit is the author and the finisher. The Holy Spirit is the one that guided the footsteps of these willing vessels. All until now, we recognize the apostles and the willing vessels as their acts. And they are. They're heroic. They're great. Why? Because they put everything aside and allowed themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. They didn't move until direction from the Holy Spirit came and then they followed and were obedient to it. And that, my friend, is what turned the world upside down. So today we're going to look at the beginning of the church. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. How often? To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Today, the men we got together, it was basic discipleship. If I can be open and if I can be transparent with you, is when Jesus Christ first comes to your life and you get an experience with him, 
You really don't know what is happening. You don't know what he expects from you. You don't know how to tune into his voice. The apostles, when this happened, they had already been walking with Jesus Christ for over three years. They've been living with Jesus Christ for over three years. And all this time that they were living and walking with Jesus Christ, they thought his whole purpose was to save them from the impression of the rulership. Then, after Jesus Christ died, after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, after this, when he ascended, then they began to understand his true purpose. You see? And so now, and he told them that the Holy Spirit was going to come and give them power to be witnesses. And after this power came, because you see, here Jesus Christ was with them. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You see, they found out, wow, we had it wrong. And then he's living with them for 40 more days. And then he goes up to heaven. Now they're left alone. They're left alone. And so they get together and they're praying. I don't know what they prayed for, but I know what I'd be praying for. I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, God. Father, I need you. And when you get a group of people together that know Jesus Christ personally and they start praying about the necessity of Jesus Christ's presence amongst them, what happens? Things start to shake. Winds start to blow. Lies begin to change. Huh? To where there was a crowd outside that took notice about what was happening in their lives. Are you with me? So here we are, the beginning of the church, and people came up and was asking, what is going on? Some people have been asked, Peter, are you guys, or they asked, are you drunk? And Peter now, he understands what's going on. And what happens here is Peter, who really didn't know how to talk or when to talk, amen, sort of like me. Huh? Every church got a Paul, and every church needs a Peter. And he didn't know when to talk or where to talk. But all of a sudden, Paul becomes a master at talking. He knew that half the crowd, or maybe the Holy Spirit, but that the crowd, half of them was a little bit uh, hostile. Asking them, are you guys drunk? What's the matter with you? When things start happening in your life, people are going to think you're off your rocker. People are going to start thinking you got cockroaches in your head and that you might need a spiritual terminex. Amen? And what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to be skilled at your talking and witnessing. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was filling Peter, and he just knew what to say. He just knew how to say it. He became a witness for the power and gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, hey, man, come on. You know what time it is. You know I don't get drunk at dinner time. He got him at ease with a joke. Huh? But then he starts rapping. And he starts explaining to them to where they couldn't argue that Jesus Christ was really the Savior and Christ that they've all been waiting for. He starts preaching and he starts letting them know that everything that you need in your life and everything that you've been looking for in your life and everything that your life has been yearning for, you guys nailed him to the cross. But he also lets them know that this was ordained and ordered by God himself. But he still didn't let them off the hook. You guys nailed him to the cross. 
And they started coming to terms with it. Oh, my God. They knew all the stories about Jesus. They heard all the stories about Jesus. This is in Jerusalem. They've been taught since they were a kid about Jesus. But now, all of a sudden, it went from here to here. It went from here to here. And don't forget that there was 120 apostles and disciples praying and the power of the Holy Spirit was there. And that's when we see the miracle. That's when you witness a miracle, the birth of the church. The birth of the church. Has anybody here ever seen a birth? Has anybody here witnessed a birth? I have a grandson here and I didn't want to go in and see the birth. I'm a, I'm a, I got a mustache, I got tattoos, and I'm a sissy. <laughs> uh, you know, of course I didn't say that. You go, son, that's your old lady. I'll sit out here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to see my granddaughter born. I got to see my son born. It's the most beautiful thing in the world when you see a birth. Even after I seen my son born, I remember watching movies with horses and they'd go into labor and they'd have a baby and I start crying all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Because it's beautiful, a birth. You're watching a miracle. You're watching a miracle and here we see the miracle of the birth of the church. I mean, all of a sudden, man, where people have a mindset of this, all of a sudden they get turned over, and they become a child of God. But now, what happens? People don't understand what's going on with their lives. Just like the apostles, you see, they knew that sometimes when you get saved doesn't mean you understand everything. They knew that when you get saved, you don't understand this or, or you don't understand that because you have a saved, you got saved, but now there's a process of, of learning and discipleship needs to go on. Are you still with me? And so here they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. Now, there's a second miracle taking place here. I don't know if I can paint a picture here. I don't want to step on any toes, but Eric told me to preach like it's my last sermon. And thank you, Eric. No, serious. That, that was great encouragement. I understood what he was saying. He's, he's saying, come on, homeboy, stop wimping out. All right? That's, that's what I hear. That's how I hear. You know what I mean? When I heard God tell me to, Focus on him and stop looking at people. I heard him say, shut up and learn. <laughs> That's the way I decipher when God speaks to me. But I'm a selfish individual, okay? You call me and you want to hook up with me, I got to think how much money I'm going to get from you, right? Is this Victory Outreach or is Church of the Cross still here? <laughs> Is this Victory Outreach or Church of the Cross is still here? Okay? When you got a phone call from somebody and said, hey, I want to go out with you, you said yes. Why? Because you thought you were going to get something. Going to get a ring, going to get a dress, going to get some shoes, a car, a house. Come on. Nobody hooks up with anybody unless you're going to get something. There's all kinds of walls up, even though inside of our hearts we need one another. Even inside of our loneliest, loneliest 
caves and, and chambers. We know that we need somebody and we want somebody. But we ain't willing to pick up the phone. We ain't willing to take the necessary steps to go and encounter and have fellowship. And when we do, we got walls up or fronts up. Amen? Are we, are we still here? But I'm talking about a miracle that just crumbles all these walls. I'm talking about a miracle that all of a sudden somebody that was insecure became secure. Somebody that was scared became courageous. I'm talking about all of a sudden you had 3,120 individuals that started fellowshipping with each other. There was no prejudice going on. There was no, I don't like you and who's going to be first and who's going to be the best and who's going to sit up there and who's going to sit up there. Look at what she's wearing. Oh, no, he didn't. But they begin to share and share freely with one another. Fellowship started taking place. Are you with me? Do we here today want the same power that the first church had? We have it. We have it. They started dedicating and devoting themselves to discipleship. That means that there was 12 disciples, right? There was 12 of them. There was 11. Judas sold Jesus out. He killed himself. They went and they voted somebody else in. I'm not going to get in the details or requirements of being the 12th man, but they had to find amongst the 120 apostles there who had been with Jesus since the beginning. And all they found was two. The others were new converts. And so after, out of those two, they casted lots and picked one. So there was 12 apostles there to do the teachings. There was 12 guys that had been around since the beginning. Somebody said, thank God for our eldership. Thank God for those that allow themselves to pour out into our lives. I'm so grateful for our leadership. Those guys that spent many hours with me at nights that probably wanted to wring my neck or maybe go get a regular job instead of discipling me. I wasn't the easiest guy and I still ain't. But I thank God because it's a commitment, it's a dedication, and it's a sacrifice on their behalf to pour into our lives. But you see, I wanted it. I wanted it and I wanted it. I knew something had happened in my life. I knew something was changing in my life. And I knew not only was it imperative, but it was essential that I went after the teachings of Jesus Christ to explain to me what is going on with me and how do I do this. I don't want to make no more mistakes. I know I'm going to, but please help walk me through it. And today I keep this learner's hat on. I went after it. I devoted myself. I didn't hide from teachings. When they said they're having teachings, I put myself there. Okay? You see? And then they were there to teach me. And they were there available to help me out. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now let's look at fellowship. Fellowship. What is fellowship? If you look around or if you look up here at me, everybody look at me. You can see I know one part of fellowship. <laughs> this is just one part of it where you break bread. Okay? I'm pretty good at that part. I need to learn on the other ones. Maybe you guys can disciple me on that one later. 
but fellowship has a whole lot of other elements and avenues to it. The word for this uh, uh, fellowship is konania. Konania. It's what's in common. What's in common with each other? You see, you and I have many differences. Look at the guy next to you. Look at the girl next to you. They're different. They're different. And what God doesn't want is us to change the other person to be who we want them to be. But what God wants with the power of the Holy Spirit is for us to embrace each other's differences. This is a beautiful church we belong to. It's a diverse church. We have different ages. We have different races. We have different cultures. We have lowriders and skateboarders in the same church. That's God. That's God. That's God. This is a Holy Ghost filled church. And so what he wants to do in this fellowship here is for us to not let any differences keep us away from one another. But you see, my definition of a church is this. I have experienced, and you've experienced, and those of us that have experienced the grace of God and the love of God in your life and your experience with God. Well, he wants his people to allow the transference of that love and understanding to go from us to one another without any kind of blocking, without any kind of prejudice, without any kind of hindrance. Amen? Those of us, he wants to live through us freely from one to another. He wants that love to flow where when somebody has an issue, you're there with a tissue. Kind of rhymed a little bit, huh? I'm from the 70s. <laughs> but where, you know, we don't sit there in judgment, man. But when we're there for each other, we're not going to trip and point fingers at each other's issues because we understand the need for one another and allow God's love to flow through each other is more important. Amen? You know, the miracle that I'm talking about here of walls coming down and the changing is this is that a greedy individual, first off, hey, Andy, how are you doing, man? I see you over there. Huh? Andy knew me. Uh, there's Andy Chavez here, too. Hi, Andy Chavez and Chris. They, they knew me at my worst, and Andy Cerna knew me at my worser. He knew me at my worser. And I was a greedy individual, very greedy. I wanted all your money and everything else. And today I'm what the pastors call a nonprofit prophet. I work for free. <laughs> That's God. That's a miracle. God will turn a greedy, no good, sidewinding, dumpster diving, grocery cart pushing, aluminum can saving. I'd rather put a knife in you and take your teeth into a giving individual. Huh? I was shaking in my boots earlier and Pastor Manuel and Elias, they rocked me and, and cuddled me and encouraged me. You see, I'm thanking God that, that Pastor Darrell wasn't there. Because, you see, Pastor Darrell's one of my disciples. 
he would have told me the truth. You know what I mean? Not that they didn't. They, they spoke the truth. They spoke the truth, the very truth that I'm trying to speak to you now. Brother Eric spoke the truth. You see, the truth is this, man. The power of the Holy Spirit will give you the capability, the ability to do everything and anything that he directs you to do. Give him a praise. Give him the praise. I'm sure glad I read a little bit because I haven't been able to see none of my notes since I started. None of them. My God. The Holy Spirit. That's what everything's been going on this last few weeks with Pastor Estevan. You know, God bless him. We're not into numbers here. We're into quality. We're into that you really know how it is to be a Christian and what it is to be a Christian. We want to know that you know Jesus Christ. But we don't want Jesus Christ to only be a Sunday event. We don't want after Sunday, after the gates are, are closed and your tail lights are in our eyes that you go on through business. But we want this fellowship to continue all week long. We want this fellowship, man, to continue all week long. Get phone numbers. Go visit people. And when you visit, don't just master the eating part. Amen? But get into the prayer and get into studying God's word and get into getting into each other's lives and encouraging each other. You know what? I thank God for the 12-step program. I thank God for psychiatrists. I thank God for counselors. But if we do as God intended us to do, we can get rid of all these nutty hospitals. We can get rid of all these other programs because what we got is the power of the Holy Spirit freely transferring from you to me at, during the week in the houses can I get an amen loneliness will be gone insecurity will be gone you won't longer be grieving alone amen the power of the Holy Spirit is what happened on the day of Pentecost the birth of the church now, as we look at, you might as well turn that off. <laughs> I was studying since I was told to do this sermon, I think yesterday. <laughs> A couple of days. And nothing would hit, man. Nothing would hit. You know, and I, 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 I'm all right at studying a little bit. And, but I think this time God wanted me to know. Trust in him all the way. The same message that he wants me to give you, he was giving me. This ain't for you. This is for us. We got to step aside and let God live freely through each one of us. We got to stop playing church. The world got to see a difference in the love that we have for one another. 
It has to flow freely. That ain't going to happen if we're just here on Sunday. But when you're going grocery shopping and you have part of your home group with you grocery shopping, when you go bowling and you have those relationships that we're developing through the week, go bowling with us. There's going to be people that see this love flowing freely through you and me and through each other. And they're going to want some of it. Those 3,000 people, they didn't just stop there and was interested and wanted what the apostles had by just driving by. They seen something. They heard something and they wanted it. They wanted it. Oh, they wanted it. Somebody told me the other day that they bought some dope and overdosed. Almost died, went to the hospital. They brought him back. He went right back to that connection. He wanted more. He found a good connection. He found something good. To a dopamine, somebody that has dope that can kill you is a good thing. But these guys, stay with me. These guys walking by or around this upper room when the day of Pentecost, they also knew that they needed something and they wanted something. And when they seen what was going on with this 120 people, they knew that they had the answer. They knew that they had the way. Just by the way that they were acting, they had 120 individuals there from different backgrounds, different ethical backgrounds, different ways of life, and yet they seen stuff flowing freely. They wanted that. Don't you want it? Don't each one of us inside of our hearts and bodies and minds have a need to be loved by each other. We want to have fellowship with one another. God put that in you and God put that in me and we all have it. But there's walls separating us. There's fears separating us. But the power of the Holy Spirit, my friend, will help you step out and step in into these relationships, the fellowship that God has for us. But don't just fellowship like what you're having to eat next week. What you having? I'm going to go to that group. Okay, that might be good for the newcomer. But get hungry to devote yourself to the teachings. Get hungry to allow yourself to be discipled. Get hungry to learn about what's going on in your life. Know that you can have things wrong. When we get saved, we don't know what time it is. When we get saved, we don't know what to do. The apostles walked with him for three years and had it wrong. You and I, we could be saved and just because we're in the church doesn't mean that we have it right. We got to get it right. We got to put ourselves where we can learn. Go under somebody. Learn. Don't put yourself under somebody that likes to eat the same kind of food as you though. This is what happens. My friend, Pastor Adam, boy, he loved to eat. Yeah, open our surgery too. Yikes. Now he's playing racquetball. I wish he discipled me now. But we got to know that we can have it right. Don't enter here thinking you got it down. Don't enter into it thinking you know everything. That's not what they did. When the Holy Spirit came on them, they began learning, and then they began teaching. Those that were experienced began teaching. It says that the young men had visions. It said that the old men have dreams, man. All of a sudden, life started beginning. Life started taking form. Life started growing. The birth of the church happened, and the birth of the church didn't just stay an infant. The birth of the church grew to maturity. How? By these practices right here. 
You see, Luke has given us an historical account and also a geographical account. As the book of Acts ends in the last chapters, you see that Paul was in prison in Rome. And there Paul's writing letters to Timothy and the pastoral epistles are written there. This is also a transferring, transitional chapter. It gets us from the gospels into the letters. It transfers from one to the other. But we'll see that the church grew from Jerusalem into Rome. And you know, persecution is what sped the growth process up. What time do I end? Good. Take my coat off. Persecution, they started suffering. I don't know if you know this, but anybody have any software on their computer to burn DVDs or CDs? The number one product is called Nero. You know why it's called Nero? Well, there was an emperor or whatever at that time called Nero. And he liked to start fires. Nero was a pyro. Amen? The pyro Nero. And he didn't like what was happening, and he started fires, blamed it on the Christians, and the Christians were being put to death, and they were being punished severely. I don't mean like go to your room without dinner. Okay, I'm talking about animals eating them and skins being pulled off. Of course, that didn't happen all the time and everywhere, but it did happen. And during this time, the church had to go underground. And yet, that's the time that the church grew the fastest. During the hard times of the church is when they grew the fastest. For some reason, I don't know, do you know why? During hard times, we grow faster. Because it's at that time when we realize how much we, know we need Jesus Christ. It's that time when we know how much we need Jesus Christ. Church, if we're going to exemplify, if we're going to mirror, if we're going to be a photocopy of the early church, if we're going to continue to grow, not just in numbers, but spiritually, we need to never forget how much we need Jesus Christ. We need Jesus Christ. We need to be filled with his power. Church is not just a decoration for your life. Church is not just, okay, I got my job. I got my car. I got my picket fence. I got a little a white doggy. <laughs> and now all I got to do is go to church on Sunday. You see, I'm going to go to church when my life is all right. I'm going to go to church when this and that. Why go to church, amen? Why are you getting on me? That's not what it's about. It's all about knowing how much we need God. The purpose of our creation. We need to be filled with him. We need to be led by him. And we need to be totally obedient to him. Can I get an amen? This is not what we like to hear. How come? How come? How come we're scared to hear the truth? We come here and hear it on Sunday. But what are we going to do tomorrow? And what are we going to do the next day? Huh? Are we going to devote ourselves to learning? Are we going to call somebody that's qualified a disciple? The disciples were qualified. They didn't just replace a disciple with anybody. You had to qualify. Are we going to call somebody that's qualified to disciple us? You see, if I like to go out and party, and I, right now I had an urge to dance, but I better not. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I ain't, right? 
if you like to go out and shake your bomb bomb and all that or whatever and, 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 and get funky with it, you don't get somebody to disciple you that's going to go out with you on Saturday night. If you're battling with drug addiction and you have $10 in your pocket, you know the connection wants 20 you don't call a discipler that has the other 10 Okay? You got to call somebody that's going to tell you the truth. You want the truth about Jesus Christ. That's clap. You got to have somebody in your life that is going to tell you the truth about what is happening in your life and help guide you down the road. They're not going to come to you and say, hey, I need to tell you what's happening because you ain't opened that door yet. If I go in your house and you don't have your door open, that's called trespassing. I have to ask God to forgive me for those trespasses. You have to go ask to be discipled. And, 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 and so if you want what the church needs, are you going to get discipled? Are you going to fellowship during the week? Or are we going to just continue as business as usual? We go to work. We go to school. We have kids. We have responsibilities. I'm tired. Why are they asking me to do all this stuff? Why are they telling me to do all this stuff? Am I speaking to us? Forget, I, I've been here a while. I, 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 got, I know how it goes. But we have to remember and we could never forget the great need that we have to be taught. That way we can grow healthy and mature. And the purpose and plan of your life that Jesus Christ has for you has to be Holy Ghost fed and led. Okay? When you do that, my friend, I don't know if you've ever done it, but those of us that have, and when you have, all of a sudden an energy comes upon you. You see, how do you think these guys felt? The Lord and Savior had just been crucified. And then he came back and he's alive. And then it's groovy. It's great. He's back. He's with us. Wow. Oh, my God. And then he gets took in. Then there he goes. I don't know if he got lifted up. It said they got lifted up. Maybe he did get lifted up like that. That way they could see him get lifted up. But the next thing I know that, that they know is the next day he's gone. How do you think they felt? But when they started praying, and when they came together in fellowship, all of a sudden, the feelings changed. All of a sudden, man, things started to happen. All of a sudden, what they were experiencing was becoming evident to thousands of people, and they wanted it. Don't let your tired or how you feel stop you. I'm going to tell you right now, I guarantee it, man, that you'll feel different and you'll feel better by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Okay, what do you got to lose? Misery? Loneliness? What do you got to lose? I guarantee it. If it don't work, you can have back your misery. Guaranteed. Church, when Luke wrote this, he didn't write this as an instruction or he didn't write this as a to-do. He didn't give us a command that this is what you have to do. But we see what happens when people let their lives be led by Jesus Christ. This whole story is about the Holy Spirit, what he does through people's lives. The church grew daily. They grew daily and they matured. If we want to grow and if we want to reach your family members, if we want to reach your neighbors, if we want to reach that convict 
brother that's still behind bars doing his thing. And we still want to reach that nephew that is still strung out on drugs, so skinny that his back and stomach have cononia. Then we must allow ourselves to grow as this church did. I don't know where you're at today, amen? I don't know where you're at. But I guarantee each one of us here in this church is in one of those spots. Each one of us is in one of those spots. Either we have been freshly converted or perhaps we've been here a while and yet we still have a lot of questions. First thing I need to let you know is this, man. Don't listen to the lie of the devil that tells you you got to know everything. Don't be scared to ask questions. Don't think that if you went and asked somebody a question that they would look down upon you because you've been here a while. They're going to be grateful. I'm talking about going to qualified disciples. Don't just go to anybody that's going to cap on you and laugh on you. What you have is precious. Give it to somebody that you can trust. Somebody that can be trusted with God's word. You might be a new convert or been around and you got questions you need to learn. The fresh start and go to these houses where we have our studies and during the week and call people every, week, every day and allow them to teach and walk with you. Amen? Now maybe you've been around a while. There's some of us that have been around a while and we should be qualified to be disciplers. But the job of a discipler is demanding. It means giving up your time. You see, time is valuable. Well, we see here that they sold everything and they gave everything. Those that had gave to those that didn't. You see, when we're reading that, you probably thought, oh, heck, we're going to do an Ezra fund, right? A church is going to buy a new building and they're going to tell us to sell our houses. No, I'm talking about those that are packing spiritual goods. Those that have golden nuggets about what the word means and how Christian life should be led. And you haven't been giving them away to those that don't have. Amen? You see, the reason why they gave was that way they don't get too proud and having their stuff in their pocket and thinking they're any better than anybody. And then, that way those without don't start feeling like they're inadequate. Okay? We need to level the playing field. So, you might be one of those that know or been feeling the tug to start discipling. I'm going to go ahead and get naked right here. Don't run. I mean spiritually. I'm one of those. I've been around since 1977, man. Okay? 1977. Pastor Albert Loma would say Greg should have stripes all the way down to his ankles. Should be a general in this movement. And here I am, man, just shaking in my boots to be sitting with these men up here. I'm barely starting entering and accepting the purpose of my life. So if that's you, it's okay that you've been doing it. You can't take it back, but let's today begin, man. Let's rise up and notice that there's young children, there's new converts that need to be fed, there's new converts that need to be led. Allow yourselves to be a vessel to pour into others' lives. Then there's maybe some people here like the 3,000 that have never known Jesus Christ. But you've been hearing that there's something going on in this upper room. You've been hearing that there's something going on and you want to know what's happening. 
and you want to meet Jesus Christ and you want to give your life up to Jesus Christ, today we'd like to give you an opportunity to meet the God and the Holy Spirit that changes lives in the miracle business that has changed all of our lives. If that's you today, we want to give you an opportunity. Hi, David. How are you? Amen. Well, you can see things differently up here. I want everybody to stand, please. Did you get anything? Close your eyes and see where you fit. Close your eyes and see where you fit. I'm going to give you time because everybody fits. In this body of Christ, everybody fits. See, they learned how to be one body with one mind. What makes up a body is called cells. And what holds cells together is called laminin, like laminate. It's a glue. And that's fellowship and that's love. That's what keeps us together. I need love. I need you. And I know likewise that we need each other. I'm going to give you time to see where you fit in this picture. And then when you see where you fit, either you have a lot of questions about God. Or perhaps you know that you need to start discipling and teaching and getting more involved in the ministry. Or perhaps you don't know Jesus Christ. You'd like to know him today. The altars are open. The altars are open. Make your way here today. And I just want to bless you.